Hey, good afternoon. I'm Steven Overholzer. Uh, I do project manage things for the most part here at Clear Function. Um, and also pretend like I know what I'm talking about on the software side. Funny, that's actually what I do too, uh, <laughs> the pretending part. So uh, this is Mo, um, David, whatever. Um, architecture on the side and developing. And so uh, we'll be talking about some balancing multiple projects. And I've been on multiple projects at the same time so awesome and i am colin i'm the uh, one of the founders here at clear function and i do uh businessy things uh, as the ceo and will occasionally chime in on technical things as well since my background is in software development well so i already hinted at this a little bit but we will be talking about uh balancing multiple projects and uh Something that uh, working in an agency that it happens outside of agencies too, but uh, just you often have multiple things on your plate at one time. And in agency work, that might even mean multiple clients, multiple stakeholders, multiple technologies. Um, so there's just a lot of different skills that are different skill set whenever you're dealing with things like that. So one of the things that I have found that's useful <laughs> is uh, just the concept of inbox zero and uh, just trying to work through your inbox because when you're dealing with lots of things, you get lots of communication. If you feel like you're getting a lot of communication from one project, imagine if you're on four or six mm -hmm. or something like that. You get more email and you can't get overwhelmed by that. You have to have some sort of approach. Um, I personally am not, uh, what's the word? A diehard, uh, get things done person, but I do have a strategy for working through my email. What sort of, uh, tools do you use to manage the amount of emails that you're getting? I like the ability to mark things, emails done or to defer them like snoozing them. Um, I do like inbox. I do find myself wishing that I could do more label things like I can with Gmail out of the box. But um, without those things, I, I don't use a typical email client anymore that doesn't have those. Like Outlook doesn't have a snooze without some sort of plugin as far as I know. Um, so just as an example, you know, or the uh, Apple Mail. I, I don't use that when I'm on the Mac side. Because, there was a yeah. there was an email plugin for Outlook that came out several years ago. You may remember the name of it. I, I can't remember. Clear it. context. Clear context. Oh, well done. Uh, and it offered some snooze functionality, and uh, that's when I got hooked on snooze, if you will. Mm. Um, and so uh, since then, that's kind of been a requirement for me. Is uh, the email client supports the ability to. Uh, for the email to go away so I don't keep rereading re that same email over and over again because it's at the top of my list, but I don't want yep. to forget to reply to it. Um, so I, it, it, I can clear my mind of it for some period of time because I can't act on it yet, uh, but yet it will pop back in my inbox at the appropriate time. So that's been pretty key for me. Managing emails um, on the project management side, managing emails coming in from multiple clients uh, is definitely a challenge, <clears throat> especially when you're trying to focus your your effort um, towards a specific project for multiple hours. Um, but yet at the same time, if you're taking a look at your email and you're seeing emails coming in from multiple other projects and other clients, 
uh, the ability to be able to snooze, um, where you can not be distracted by uh, emails from other projects is, is super handy for me as well. Something that uh, JD actually had a presentation semi-recently on uh, how he ha- actually handles Inbox Zero. And one of the things that he actually does is he doesn't actually snooze, but he acts on the email right away when he reads it. And for him, that actually means moving it to a to-do list mm. right away. And he doesn't even archive. Like, if there's something he needs to save from it, he saves it as a file and then deletes the email. And uh, I found that interesting just to sort of throw out yet another approach to it. There's lots of things that can work, but... Yeah, I I, I use TickTick for that as a to-do list uh, tool. It definitely helps for emails that come in that are that there is a distinct call to action for, um, but it, maybe it's on a project that I'm not currently working on. I can, I can quickly dump dump a task in Tick Tick and uh, move about my way. So that's something that I've used. It's been great. Yeah, but I use uh, good good to do dot com in a very similar way. Uh, one of the things that I've found that that kind of steps up my game from just kind of snoozing emails in my inbox is just prioritization. Uh, you know, not, not everything that's in your inbox should get equal attention or weight or priority in terms of what all you can get done in a, in a day and uh, good to do. And I'm sure there's thousands probably of other list managers out there that will allow you to um, then prioritize them. So that's one of the things What's so one of my morning tasks is to look down the current list of everything that's shown up in my to do list for the day and to make sure I'm working on the most important things first. I actually use just recently, I mean, within the last year, started using to do but the two is the number two so the number two do and they have a mac app and an ios app i think that's it and uh some of the things that i like about it is it offers pretty good categorization and there's some nice shortcuts in terms of uh, being able to defer a to do so i have lots of items that I keep pushing to uh, another day. I have, I will say that one of the problems that I have with to-do lists just in general is if I don't have a, a due date on something, then I never see it because it just sort of rolls off and to-do lets you choose something that's not a, with no due date. It's more of a task list at that point, but then mm-hmm. I struggle to actually get a rep back around to it. So right. I, I have to put a date, even if it's a month in advance so and there's actually a pretty key feature of good to do, which is email based snoozing. And so um, as I'm replying to somebody on an email, I can actually uh, BCC so they don't have to see what I'm doing there um, a day in the future. So I can BCC, you know, 5D and that will snooze it for five days, mm-hmm. for example, or um, right. Monday and the, the next Monday that comes up, it'll, it'll appear in my to do list. So it's kind of similar functionality there. But you're right that kind of thinking through when, when can I reasonably or probably have uh, the right amount of time or right, right amount of snooze to then act on this thing is pretty key to go ahead and put a date on it. So do you both sort of have a time of day, like a ritual for working through your to-do list? Hmm. Um, I'm, I think I'm similar to Colin. I try to review it in the mornings as I'm getting going uh, just to call out the things that are top priority, the things that at the beginning of the day beyond checking email that I'm jumping right into. Uh, I think a good practice, which I'm not always in the habit of doing, is also checking it in the afternoon. You know, it, 
whether to just give you a jump on the next day or just make sure you're not walking out the door without something else um, left being left undone. I'm about the same. Uh, beginning of the day and then immediately after lunch are my two most common, but often before I go home for the day, I'll review the list just to make sure there's not one more thing I need to squeeze in before I uh, shut down the laptop for the day. Right. I I feel like that's actually one of the concepts with getting things done is actually having a set time and then not looking. Um, is that correct? Make, making wrong, sure yeah. that you have time to actually execute on the tasks for sure. That's a, that's a key part of it. Um, I will say, so I, I use um, Google Inbox for my, my primary mail client. W- one of the deals there is that I, I want the same or very similar and compatible interface both on the desktop as well on my, uh, as on my phone. And so uh, Google Inbox provides that. But one of the things that it allows is bundling, um, which is very helpful because it keeps similar things together. And that way for a given client, I can work through all, all the emails that have come through uh, in whatever time I've been working uh, for a given client, kind of get my head in that space before uh, kind of uh, addressing each one of those and then moving on to the next client, the next space. So that's, that's one way that uh, I feel like I'm quite a bit more efficient using that feature of Google Inbox. One of the things that sort of just reminds me um, is just time boxing too. Um, when you've got multiple projects or multiple clients, if you try to solve something, or speaking speaking for myself anyway, if I focus on one client or one project or one task at a time, it's a whole lot easier for me to get it done than to try to multitask and then get drowned in all the things that are coming through. Agreed. So, so Mo, you, you've been talking about how uh, you balance multiple projects on your own and the projects that you're assigned to, but but Stephen, as a project manager, you have to manage a lot of different projects. So uh, how is that different? Yeah, uh, it's it's very different because it's, it's one thing if it's tasks that are assigned to me that I'm working on related to multiple projects, but when it's um, making sure that I'm spending the necessary time uh, – on each project, making sure that, uh, the team is continues to move forward, uh, on the priorities of the project. It, it, it's very difficult. One way that I've tried to do that is to set clear expectations with the teams themselves to help them understand the number of projects and when I'm trying to target effort against certain projects. Um, that, that helps the team also understand when, when I may be available or when I may not be available to answer questions and, um, you know, if there's a coordination meeting that's needed, um, so that, so that there's, there's no guessing as to when I'm trying to, um, put hours in or effort towards a specific project. Um, that, that's one way that I've tried to help manage, um, teams expectations on multiple projects. Yeah, for sure. It's it's interesting because uh, there's so many parallels between real life and, and what technology is, is trying to do. Like, for example, I think of QoS networking-wise of uh, prioritizing what messages are most important versus uh, those that are, that are lesser, have lesser importance. And so uh, it seems like that's kind of what you're doing is trying to coordinate uh, the interactions that you have with other people and saying, uh, these are the most important interactions during this time. I'm going to prioritize this project during this period of time. Uh, so I'm not bouncing back and forth. And uh, yet another parallel is that in the operating system world, when you think of processes and, and multi-threading and all these uh, things that are trying to happen in in tandem, then uh, you don't want – you, you can get to a place where you're trying to do so much at the same time where you just spend all your time remembering 
enough the, the the context, remembering enough about the thing that you're working on instead of doing the thing that you're trying to get done. And so um, I, that that happens in real life too. You know, when we're constantly just switching back and forth between tasks, and that, 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 that's what we're talking about here is how do we avoid thrashing? You know, so mm-hmm. that we're just not only only context switching and not actually getting work done. Um, so like we talked a little bit about email early on as one of those things, but how do we get into, or how do you guys manage, what are the tools that you use to manage thrashing and making sure that, that you're capturing all the context that you need so that whenever you switch between tasks, you're ready to go all that context that you need to remember how to be productive on whatever that next task is that you pick up the next project, the next client is that you talk to, um, that you kind of load up your brain as quickly as possible with all the relevant information. One of the things that I like, uh, just uh, the more that I've done this, the more that I've discovered that I need to improve my note taking, but I like OneNote. Um, one of the things with some of the different te- technologies I've worked with, it's sometimes it's uh, open source technologies. So I'm uh, in OS 10. There's other times when I'm working with .NET and I'm in Windows and OneNote is cross-platform. So, and it syncs. So I don't really have to worry about that, but um, I have been bitten by tools where the syncing didn't work, and I remember taking the notes, and they're gone now because they didn't get saved off. And uh, w- whether that means, though, that if I'm storing it in something like Google Drive or Dropbox or OneDrive or some other cloud syncing tool, or if I'm using a, a service like OneNote or Evernote, that syncing is important to me. And it also is nice that I can get to it from my phone later. Um, the other thing, too, is over-documenting. Because at the moment you're writing it down or recording it, you think you, oh, I, I, I won't need to know that detail because I just did it and I remember that. And then a month later, you have no idea. It's the whole, if you wake up in the middle of the night and have a great idea, go back to sleep, you forget everything about it. You just, all you remember is the fact that, well, that was a really good idea that I had that I don't know now. So I've run into that several times. And actually, uh, one, of the, one of the disciplines I'm trying to make myself do consistently is reviewing my notes immediately after a meeting. Because it's been just long enough since I tried to write down whatever the thought was, is, the thought was that I wanted to capture um, that I still can remember and recreate the full thought. But if I wait much longer than immediately after a meeting, uh, there may be some, some thoughts that were just kind of halfway written down. And if I don't complete the thought mm-hmm. immediately at the end of that meeting, then that, that note is kind of lost and worthless. And so I don't know if you guys run into that at all, but I, I found that just simply oh, yeah. reviewing notes at the end of the meeting does a, goes a long way towards making my note-taking more valuable because it makes mm-hmm. sure that I, every, every note that I've taken is a complete thought. How, how how do you guys handle situations where you're in a meeting and you're taking notes maybe in a moleskin or uh, some sort of notepad and then you're then you know you're off to the next meeting or into the next task how do you guys uh, what's the process you use for transferring those notes uh, in to in back into the digital right. stream right because Sometimes we have our laptops, sometimes we have our notepads. They're both equally as important depending on the, the meeting. Uh, that's, that's one area where I haven't quite figured it out yet. I'd be interested in your opinions. The, the main thing that I transfer out of my uh, handwritten notes are action items, and I, I mark those in a very specific way. I just use a great big checkbox. 
Um, and I will occasionally actually re- review several days worth of notes and actually circle all the check boxes that haven't been resolved yet. And I'll move them to my to-do list if I haven't already done that. And so just kind of having that uh, as a habit, make sure that any action items that I've kind of captured analog, right, instead of digitally, um, gets put on my actual full to-do list so that it actually gets done at some point and I can schedule it as, a, as appropriate. Hmm. The, the tablets that have like the writing, the electronic ink sort of things, I've tried those before. I've never had a dedicated device for it, but that's one of the reasons that that appeals to me, especially the tools where you can have some sort of level of OCR over it and then search over your handwriting. Um, the problem is that at least none of the ones that I've used, and I, I can't say that I've used uh, any of the current tools recently, but it just doesn't feel quite like paper. And, uh, but I, I would like that. Uh, one of the things I do try to do though is I'll basically, I, pr- I sort of treat my paper as like it has a lifetime. And so I will scratch out the notes that are older. So I sort of know how far back to look. Hmm. The other thing is sometimes I just don't write, write it down and I'll bring my laptop into a meeting or something like that. Um, I, I don't have a good flow for that though. Have you guys dealt much with uh, like trying to find the, the perfect strategy or uh, tool for taking notes? And so you've kind of been switching between them. And because of that, you kind of have notes scattered across like a combination of text files and uh, <laughs> confluence documents and yes. Evernote notes yes. and, you know, your notebook and, so how do you how do you figure out the right place for different notes? Because sometimes you can't just put them all in one place and that just be the hard and fast rule, right? Sometimes it is appropriate to put a note in a different systems. But how, how do you how do you choose and be consistent with that? So some of you may remember I when uh, we first started off, I took a lot of my notes and marked down text files, and they were just local. And I did the same thing with, uh, I audited a class, a university class. It was a grad school class a few years back. And I realized six to 12 months afterwards uh, that I no longer had that computer anymore. And they were just stored on the hard drive and they weren't in a cloud sync directory. So it's, I have been bitten by not having them in the right place. So I have forced myself, sort of like I said earlier, to use a tool that forces it to sync. But even then... As I have moved between tools, I'll have uh, Evernote for some things. Uh, I have lots of pictures of things, even like at the house. Like, oh, this is the size of my uh, air conditioning filter. Like, okay, I'm going to take a picture of that, but I'm going to store it in Evernote. And then I'm looking through OneNote later. I know I took a picture of it. Maybe it's just in Google Photos. I don't know. Right, exactly. Actually, I heard you talking about OneNote earlier, and I was like, oh, I should try out OneNote. And then I had to like consciously stop myself and say, <laughs> Evernote yeah. is good enough, dude. Like, right. don't, don't switch again. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't take the bait. Yep. So I've, I've even been playing with uh, Org Mode on Emacs because I try every single tool out there, I guess. And uh, I've forced myself to only store uh, my, like my daily log, like where I spend my time in there right now, because it can get yeah. addictive. Yeah. Based on UI or new feature that a tool will come out with that, that lures you away from the thing that's working. Uh, for a while, I was using probably three different right. note-taking tools, and I've 
dialed myself back to just using uh one note at, at the at the moment and uh I basically know if it's before 2015, then it's an Evernote. (laughs) Yeah. So for one thing I will say is that like sometimes there's a fairly objective right place for notes like and uh, just communication, either kind of async written communication versus like live communication that there are in many cases objectively correct and incorrect places and channels to use for these things. Right. So, for example, like a readme, fi- a readme file is prime real estate for how do I set up this project that I just pulled down from Git, right? So, yep. like, if, if it's talking about how to set up the project, it should probably, as much as possible, be in the readme file. That's just where the next developer is going to expect to find that information, right? Um, some information goes in email. Some of it goes in confluence. Wh- what are, like, all the, the – what is your heuristic, if you will – that you run through your head to, to choose the proper channel, email, Slack, you know, vocal, phone call. You know, there's so many options. How do you choose? I try personally to determine who the audience might be. Um, when I have used Markdown files in the past and I haven't thought about the audience, I find myself converting it to another format quickly because I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Um, but there's times when I've stored it in OneNote. I should have stored it in Confluence where the rest of the team can see it. Uh, I don't know in terms of the heuristic. It, like I said, the big thing is who's the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, even just the active, like Confluence has the really nice meeting notes uh, doc or format. That has been nice for just starting with that. It's notes for myself, but then thinking about it being read by other people also forces me to over communicate and over document things from the meeting. Yeah. I really like confluence as a default for a lot of written notes um, because of that. So first of all, it, it to some degree um, based on, you know, whatever the notification settings are, then either through uh, things that you might find interesting, whatever that daily e- email is that it sends out um, or through just kind of your standard notifications, people will be made aware that that information is available uh, if you dump it in Confluence. The other part is searchability, right? Yep. After the fact, then if they are looking for information, you happen to have written a note that's relevant to, to the topic that they're trying to find out uh, more about, then they'll be able to find it in Confluence. So it seems like it just hits a lot of um, use cases where someone's going to try to either needs to know about the information, needs to know that the information is available, or is actively looking for it. Any of, the, any of those scenarios are hit by using Confluence. So it seems like a good initial default. On, on the project management side, it definitely is for me. Um, typically, there's it's a it's I'm in a meeting about the project, and it's either uh, requirements gathering or requirements clarification. Um, if at all possible, it's great to go straight to that. Otherwise, it's um, you know it's more shorthand note taking on a, in a quick informal meeting, but then directly into Confluence just for the sake of being able to notify other people uh, that that either may need to clarify the documentation or um, it, it, it's just a great, it's a great hub where, um, where others can also reference that, that documentation. Absolutely. It seems like too, um, one thing I've, I've realized now that there's so many good options, for example, uh, we use Slack, we use Confluence, we use email, we use pull requests. Like all, all these are great channels of communication. Um, but another good kind of default part of the part, part of my heuristic at least is to uh, reply and like channel. 
So I don't know if you've ever mm. uh, like put something in a pull request and then got a Slack message back. Um, but sometimes it's disorienting because you, you don't know what that person just read that they're responding to. Uh, the same things happen to me in email. It actually happens all the time in uh, email to verbal, right? So someone sends an email and says, hey, did you get my email? Well, I, probably. Like, which email? Like, how long ago did you send it? <laughs> like, I just, it's not e e easy to match that verbal thread to the async written thread, right? So I, I don't know right away what you're talking about. Whereas if you just hit reply and replied to it, I would have said, yes, I know the exact email you're talking about because it's like literally in the thread with the message that you just replied to. So like that, it seems like that sort of thinking and that, that way of kind of keeping uh, communication in a like channel, in a like kind, uh, it also helps us to communicate better, more effectively without thrashing about trying to link uh, disjointed threads together, if you will. It can definitely be a challenge balancing multiple projects uh, because you have clients that prefer certain channels and either it's the same channel that you prefer or it's different. And so you, you lean back towards your preferences and maybe it's the same or maybe it's different. And uh, it, it, it takes some learning, uh, especially coming on to new projects, uh, just understanding those preferences of the client, what channel they prefer to make sure that you're, you're capturing that, that communication in line with their preferred sure. channel. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit. This is a slightly different topic, but feel like uh, Scott Hanselman calls it uh, knowing when to escalate mm -hmm. the conversation. Yep. And so that's what he's talking about there is when you're talking to someone, say one-on-one -on -one over uh, Slack in this case, I believe when he posted the blog, it was, I am. Uh, but so you're, you're chatting and knowing, you know, I probably should take this up to an actual email because there's more than one or two messages that are going to come here. Or on the other side, email slower, Slack would be faster. But, hey, guess what? We might need to actually hop on the phone now. like mm. we Or uh, get on a Hangout or a Skype call. Let's face-to-face. -face. If you can walk over and talk to them, you know, especially with knowing on timeboxing projects and things, if there's any sort of uh, priority or something, you don't want to wait for an hour or two when you need a response right away. So knowing it's time to escalate this and also being making sure you're on the same page, because even with all of these tools in place and documenting and all the right, sometimes you can't beat just a, even a virtual face to face. Absolutely. Yeah. There's been multiple times where probably five or 10 minutes into a tech space, um, you know, Slack conversation or I am conversation with someone. I think, wh why didn't I just pick up the phone right. like, yeah, five minutes ago? It would have been done in 30 seconds and we would be, you know, off doing something else. So that's, that's absolutely true is uh, knowing when to escalate. It, it definitely helps too to win uh, kudos with either the client or with the team member to understand their preference and, and where appropriate use that preference, right? Um, if, if, if I'm a client that prefers, you know, phone communication because I'm less tech savvy, I, I don't, I don't do the slacks or the, the flow docking or, you know, those sorts of things, uh, it, it can really go a long way with the client or whoever's receiving the communication to understand their, their preferred, uh, that, that preferred method of communication and where appropriate use that. Yeah. And it's a quick side note to that. So sometimes, uh, uh, 
I've been guilty of this and I've also heard other people mention it of that, you know, so-and-so it's either a client or it's a, a teammate or, you know, either directly on our team or on someone else's team um, that uh, th- they're not as responsive as, as we would like them to be. But uh, as you were talking about preferred modes of communi- uh, communication, it may just be a matter of trying a different channel that that mm-hmm. may just not be their strong suit. So yeah, playing, playing to the other person's strengths is definitely helpful. And not Slack channel communication channel. <laughs> nice. I, I didn't wear any slacks today. I have shorts on. <laughs> I will say, speaking of Slack, uh, this is bad, uh, <laughs> that I, I do enjoy Slack channels just because it does keep a uh, light communication together. Um, I don't know if you've ever been on an email thread, or uh, sorry, an IM thread uh, using uh, AOL Instant Messenger mm. or something <laughs> like it. Nice. Going I remember back. that. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I see um, you. But you literally, with the same person, <laughs> nice. Uh, literally with the same person have three different threads of conversation going at the same time and you're jumping back and forth. Well, the same thing happens today in Slack, but both of you are switching between the two or three different channels so that you don't have to say, oh, oh, wait, there's not a moment, this moment of clarification uh, of what was the message that you just sent me, which channel, if you will, which thread was it tied to? Um, so I, I have enjoyed that about Slack for sure. Agreed. There's a, I've been actually meaning to share it here. There's a good post from the Slack team on managing channels. And they even talked about naming your channels in such a way like with a prefix or something so that your project related channels are sort of grouped hierarchically. Right. Which I was like, that's a really good mm, idea. That makes a lot of sense. But we've talked, we sort of went into communication, which is a huge part of managing multiple projects. Um, but some of the things I found, you know, moving off of uh, communication a little bit is, I especially like working with uh, cross-platform tools. One of the, some of the projects I've worked on lately, like I said, were one was in Windows and one was in OS X. And I, if I were trying to boot up into Windows and then at noon go back into OS X and I was using two totally different tools, I would, my productivity would have dropped. So I personally have started using, uh, and I have been using for a while, uh, Vim and just cross-platform tools in general. And it's it's interesting with uh, tools like Electron now. Uh, there, it's a lot easier for people to use and build cross-platform tools. Uh, they may not be native, but they're good enough for most use cases. Yep, totally agree. Um, that's actually uh, talking a little bit about Evernote earlier. Um, there was versus OneNote. Uh, there was a time several years ago where where OneNote didn't have their cross-platform, including mobile platform, story quite together yet. Um, and that's actually when I adopted Evernote for for that reason is because th- th- they already had it on phone, on desktop, um, both on Windows and also OS X, uh, Mac OS, and so. Um, Definitely, uh, that, that was a decision maker for me early on. It seems like more and more tools are either web-based or they're somehow in a, uh, a wrapper. And so it seems almost the, the norm these days that, that tools are cross-platform. But that, that definitely does play into my decision as well. You, you don't have to justify using Evernote, Colin. It's a great tool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to stick with it, man. Cool. I'm stick with it. <laughs> do you pay for it? Just curious. Um, I, I do. I really? do. Okay. I can't remember why, but I do. Uh, I know that, <laughs> there was some heat around the way they like how it. they changed their pricing model recently in terms of you could only use it on 
X number of devices or something. Like oh, that interesting. I, I don't know if that affected me or not. Uh, they, they haven't like sent me a nasty alert or anything <laughs> like that. So I, I guess I'm good. I have no, no idea. Nasty gram. Yeah. They, I don't remember what triggered me purchasing it. I, if, if I was over the, the limit, the daily limit, limit or whatever it was, um, or if it was the, the indexing. Um, I also do a lot of like, uh, here's probably what it was. Uh, I went to a conference, so I had like a massive a number of business cards that I collected from that conference. And so one of the things that I think it's the premium version of Evernote that lets you do is you can actually snap a picture mm. of a business card and it will actually add it to your address book. Uh, and also uh, like potentially connect you on LinkedIn at the same time, all at the same time. <laughs> I was like, uh, sure, I'm a gadget guy. It's like what, 10, 20 bucks a month, whatever it is. Uh, why not? So anyway, interesting. I think that's that's what did it for me. I do really enjoy that the fact that it will reach into both images and also PDFs and like uh, do full full indexing. It's not always spot on, but it's better than nothing. And yeah. it's definitely helped me find mm. some pretty obscure like board note, like a whiteboard that I've taken a picture of, you know. Yep. And it'll actually like mat- match the text on it in a text search, and that's that's magic. That's pretty great. I've still found myself wanting like a smart board or something that could just t- turn it to text for me immediately, but yeah. Yeah, we still do a lot of whiteboarding here, by the way. Absolutely, Audience. absolutely. And so, um, uh, we, we've gone over a lot of things that just help avoid thrashing. There's actually this article that I, that I remember from Jeff Atwood. Uh, I think it's like a decade ago. It was a long time ago. <laughs> um, that might date me, I guess. Uh, on uh, back the, in the, the time the, of the, CRTs, the myth, the myth of multi- multitasking, which is kind of what we've been talking about, where right. it's just so easy if you have too many projects uh, to switch back and forth. Uh, between them. So like, h- how do you guys, uh, well, just one more question. Uh, and that is like, what, what are the things that you found to be key in, in minimizing that, that context switching? We've, we've kind of been a- answering it this whole time, but just kind of the final wrap up. So I, I think of things like Slack channels. I think of things like bundling and inbox. Um, how do you group work together? What are the strategies that you use, either tools or just kind of strategies in general to make sure that you make the best use of your time and minimize the actual context switching? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> beyond the tools that we've mentioned, uh, another, another large one for me, if at all possible, is um, if if I'm if I'm in the middle of spending time on a project, I'll I'll even minimize my email, uh, just just so that it is not a distraction. Um, so I'm heads down, whether it's documentation or uh, requirements gathering of some sort. Um, that's that's been a great way to to both keep my focus um and then um you know ensure that i'm providing value for on the project that i'm that i'm currently focused on one of the things uh that i use is uh this may sound funny but if i'm really focused on something i will pull put my headphones on and it sort of visual cue to others that I'm focused on something else. I've noticed um, that more recently. Yeah. Right? Something else though too is, uh, I, I may not close, uh, Slack because we use that for team communication, but if I'm, it, it's when you have lots of notes, th- there's a, I don't know what you would call it, but maybe it's the side of me that whenever email first came out, I got excited when I got an email. So there's that rush of someone's trying to talk to me. But you also need to sometimes close it. So if we are using like a client-based communication tool and I'm not working on it at the moment, it's just close it. Don't look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And maybe for some people doing like the, the Pomodoro approach where it's like, I'm going to have 30 minutes and dedicate to this project, something like that. And then you can come back and check and see what's going on, but just force yourself to not see other things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, So I'm glad you mentioned Pomodoro. I've actually got one of those timers uh, on my desktop and that's usually the cadence that I check my email is uh, at least 25 minutes of focused uh, attention to something and then I'll use the five minute break either to go grab grab a, a drink or whatever it is um, or uh, and or check my email just to make sure there's nothing pressing that's come in so that's definitely been something that's helped me a lot is just have that cadence throughout the day um, of focused work attention and then coming back mm-hmm. to it uh, I wonder if we could even make a, a full episode out of just kind of productivity in general uh, we've touched all, all about it but maybe, maybe that's a, a future episode that we could touch on it, it reminds me of a team member on a project that I was on um, it, we would have a morning stand up and uh, we were using Google Hangouts because we were a distributed team <clears throat> and uh, every time I would call on the guy to give his morning stand up uh, I would have to call on him multiple times um, and then, and then all of a sudden, it would the the mic would unmute, and he'd say, "Oh, oh sorry, sorry, I was just multitasking." And uh, I, th- I think it's an example of w- where his intentions are good of of trying to do as Absolutely. much as possible for his employer for this project. Don't get fooled into thinking that you can do more uh, by distributing your attention. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I think it's a great, it's a silly example, but it's it's a it's a really good one because we are not as capable of spinning uh, lots and lots of plates as we think we are. Absolutely, yeah, I, very, yeah. True. very true. I have done the same thing. It, it's just another version of the. This wasn't the Bueller wasn't in the class when the teacher was looking for him, but you know, you're. Oh, sorry, I was taking notes and. I, can you repeat the question? I was paying attention, but I wasn't listening. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It does seem like many of the uh, the, the productivity, um, I guess, strategies out there are really focused around uh, giving you bursts of productivity, basically a focused work where you're not spinning multiple plates because mm-hmm. it just doesn't Agreed. work. It's just a lie. Mm-hmm. So, um, awesome. I think that may wrap it up. Anything else that you guys would, uh, would add or does that do it? Yeah, this was great. Appreciate awesome. y'all's feedback. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to It Depends, a podcast by Clear Function. Clear Function is a group of happy engineers based in Memphis, Tennessee. We partner with visionaries to bring their ideas to life. For more information, check out our website at clearfunction.com.